Welcome to Heartbreak to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Baptiste from Rejected Hearts Club. And I'm your host, Sophie Delcor with Healing Soul Spiritual Center. And we do the heartbreaks so you can heal. Today's show, we have a guest that I've known for a few years now from Austin, Texas. We're going to say he's gone from the strip clubs to going viral on TikTok to now being an amazing father, and I'm excited to hear his perspective on exactly his breakups to where he is now and how he heals from a male perspective. So everybody, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the wonderful Will. Hey, Will. Jamie, what's up? It's a blessing to be here. Oh, thank you. We are so excited to have you here. You are our first male guest, so I want to make sure that we can talk to you about any and everything today to see your perspective. Really nice to meet you, Sophie. It's good to meet you, too. I am ready to have a fun ride, a fun deep dive into your perspective on heartbreaks and breakups and kind of things that you've learned along the way that you can share with our audience and our viewers. (laughs) So with that being said, let's just get into your last heartbreak and what happened with that. So my last heartbreak, um, it was a little bit awkward because, um, you know, as I, I worked at a club, at a strip club, I was a security guy there. And I ended up dating one of the girls that worked there. And I loved her. She was great. We never, we didn't have any problems or anything. And one day she kind of just ghosted me, didn't text back, didn't call or anything. So I was thinking, you know, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe something's, you know, let me check and see if she's okay. And I, I let a couple a couple days go by, and I just sent her a text and said, "Hey, I'm sorry if uh, I did anything wrong. Let me know if you need space. There you go. You'll have it. Um, if you want to meet up and talk, we can. We can do that." And so, what made you out. apologize to somebody that was already ghosting you that they created that issue? Well, because in my way of thinking i I thought that you know maybe i did something wrong and she just poof disappeared on me you know (laughs) and i've had that happen throughout my life at least it's been like three times i've had that happen wow Um, and after and that's since then now the two times that happened last i just i figured hell you know you know i'll let the people let them go you know I'm not going to worry about it. They'll come back if, if I did something wrong or, or I'll find out if they're not okay later. But mm-hmm. um, with her, she said, hey, let's let's meet up and talk. And we met up at a Starbucks. And um, she straight just told me, hey, I'm, I'm really busy. I have to go to London to finish my, my school. And um, I guess she was going to college in London because it was cheaper or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and she left. She left it at that. And that really, it hurt me. It hurt me because I'm thinking, well, you could have just told me that, you mm-hmm. know, and we could have left off in a, you know, the better, it would have left a better taste in my mouth, so to speak. 
Now, do you think people that do that to others that they don't want to tell you because it's just easier to just go away and then after the fact it already happened? Um, you and I shared kind of that same experience where my last breakup, the guy randomly moved to freaking Tokyo and I had no idea. Yeah. So it's like, instead of just being an adult and talking that out, like, hey, here's my goals and dreams and, you know, we can support that. They just leave and hop up without <laughs> any signs. I think with a lot of people that's happened to them before, and they might think that that's acceptable behavior because I've, mm. you hear more and more that people are just ghosting other people and, and leaving, you know. Um, but I grew up with communication. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. I'll call you. if I got a problem with you, I'm going to tell you in your face, or I'm going to call you, or send you an email. I'm going to, you know, let you know. I'm not just mm -hmm. going to be, uh, you know. But given me and her history, um. I just thought, you know, hey, something might be wrong. Maybe I can reach out one last time and find out. And, you know, and I have this, I've always felt that, you know, the saying, if you love somebody, let them go. Mm -hmm. Meant to be, they'll come back. And I kept that thought through my head, you know, that process through my head, the months we were apart. And she did contact me. She would send me an email and, and ask how I was doing. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing okay. But then, by then, I was already dating dating other other people, you know. And um, when she finally came back and wanted to get back together, I really just didn't feel the same. As you shouldn't, because we always learn and grow from our past. And by then, you're probably a completely different person, and you're still trying to heal from what just happened, the impact of that. And yeah. so we've talked about rebound dating and redating. And once again, I am the queen of telling everybody, never redate. There is a reason why things did not work out. And so yeah. people that try to trinkle back into your life, when they did you wrong or could have communicated, it's like now the expectations are to get the same will that she had but you're a completely different person because yeah. you were broken by somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like, um, I, don't know, I, I felt like I, I dodged a bullet, you know, because I feel like she's still, and I've, I've talked to her since then. And uh, I, I feel like she's just stuck in this process of where she's that's not moving forward. She's not going anywhere uh, with life. And it's, it's really sad to see, but you know, that's life. You know, you, you either move forward mm -hmm. or you're going to stay in, in the position you're in. Now, some people listening to this may ask the question of, did he not see red flags? He was dating a stripper, this, this, and that. Everybody is a human being. So what do you have to say in regards to dating somebody that happens to be in the entertainment industry versus like, oh, I'm going to date a lawyer or something like that? Do you think maybe the same situation would have happened just based on people's careers? Based on career, no, but based on their past experiences, I do think the same thing could happen mm -hmm. um, because we had women that would come in there that were, um, you know, battered wives or mm -hmm. ex-wives where they were married, you know, and they're mm -hmm. just trying to make money. Um, I actually have a few friends that work there that are extremely intelligent. They have college degrees. You know, I know a dietitian that 
that works in that industry. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on the person's background. And I think with her background, she may have been battling some demons that are still there with her to this day that well, that makes she's sense. not going to get over, you know? And, and Sophie's talked about that a few times where it's kind of how we grow up can impact your relationships and things like that. Right, Sophie? Absolutely. I, you know, I, it, cause it is very much what you're exposed to and what you learn around you from, you know, family, when it comes to what you watch on TV and movies, the commercials you watch, what you see from family, what you see from your friends, parents, your own parents, it's the whole nine, it's your entire environment that's shaping you. And, you know, and the, t you know, different events that happen that are also significant, that can cause, you know, trauma, and all of that can dictate it. Um, it you know, and especially listening that that she was going to school in, in London on top of it. I mean, how easy is that just to kind of try to run, um, yeah. you know, because you're literally, I mean, you're going overseas uh, mm -hmm. completely like, you know, that, that you're talking whole new life, culture shock, mm -hmm. you know, you're starting over, over really like no. that's So that makes it easy to run. Did she no, apologize at ever? Did you ever no. hear an apology? No. Um, so a month, about a month before this happened, um, I was at work and she actually called me and said, Hey, I, I think I'm pregnant. And before we even started dating and, and really being intimate with each other, she's told me she couldn't get pregnant. And so I, I'm a guy, you know, so I, I thought nothing of it. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. And um, she pops up with that. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, she disappears after. And I kind of got worried. Like, is this, you know, am I, is a child going to pop up later? You know, I don't right. know. Like, yeah, hey, this is your daughter. This is your son. Sorry, <laughs> you know. But, um, but, you know, like I told you guys, I, I talked to her. Um, this was probably about three months ago. Really? She literally asked me if I would be a donor for her. And I had no idea she was actually trying to get pregnant the whole time. And what did you say? I said, no, I, I have a family. There's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, wow. but I'm, you know, I've way moved beyond that. So way beyond. You know. So right now, even hearing that, what does your current partner think about some ex-girlfriends? She, my my wife now, she goes, uh, she thought it was um, a very bad idea. She thought it was crazy. Like, why would you, I think she was asking me what, like, why would you even, why would you go back? Like, why would you do that? You know? And, but I told her, I said, I, you know, I used to date this woman a long time ago. But she doesn't know the backstory of, of everything. Got it. Wow. I just, well, I mean, it's always crazy of people that want to come back into your lives after they pretty much did you dirty, but then you're still asking that person for something major. Like, yeah. that's the whole life that she's asking for you to build with her and not knowing your entire background situation nowadays. It's like, yeah. oh, well, we were together. He loved me and I still can get away with whatever I want, even though I did him dirty. Like, that's not cool. 
Nope. And let me ask for some sperm. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, I I couldn't. Couldn't do that. Does it bring up old feelings to have her jump in your life like this? And especially asking for, like, probably the most serious stuff you could ever ask somebody? Mm -hmm. With me, no. Um, I honestly felt really bad for her. You know, wow. Because she, you know, it's like I said before, it's like she's stuck. You know, she's, she's not going anywhere in, in life. And it, it's kind of sad to see somebody that's intelligent that can do better, not do better. You know, and there's nothing I can really do to help. Yeah, you have to help yourself first before you can help other people, right? So yeah. if she's not going to figure out her own life, then she can't expect other people to figure out for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what she was using you for. <laughs> that's That was my train of thought. So yeah. then from your perspective, like after that all happened, how did you either wake up one day and say, you know what, like I am over this and I am better than this. And what was kind of your process to heal to quote unquote, get over that relationship? So back then I was living with my father in his lake house. And it's really peaceful in Lago Vista. You know, you sit out on the back porch and you got these rolling mountains and hills. Or, and it was beautiful. I, I went through the depression process. I cried a lot. I listened to a lot of sad music. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I kept myself busy. Mm-hmm. Now, I lived in Lago Vista, but I worked, you know, off of 71, Highway 71 in South Austin. Mm-hmm. And I also worked at UPS part-time. Mm-hmm. So I was always busy. Now, to help me make it through the process, not only did I stay busy, but I had a, a strong network of people that I could contact and talk to about the situation. Mm-hmm. And so were you getting advice from people that you felt comfortable with in order to move on? Or that was kind of like a better healing thing so you can just get it out and communicate? For me... Um, the healing process was, it it was easier than most because of, you know, my childhood and my upbringing, you Mm -hmm. know, I've I've always lost people that I've loved dearly throughout my life. So just having that and the memories of, you know, we talked before about, you know, my grandmother leaving, you know, my life abruptly, uh, there was nothing I could do, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. I figured, you know, this is, this is life. People come into your life. People are going to leave your life and everything. Literally it happens for a reason. People Mm -hmm. make connections for a reason. People break connections for a reason. And whether or not I was like a rebound or being used, you know, it's a lesson that I've learned that all these things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. I pretty much uh, feel like I dodged a bullet. You know, because I think what would have happened if I had gone back to my ex? Where would I be? Nowhere good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I would have never, never bought a home, probably. You know, you you know, you never know. From this, I want to know, were you able to learn more about yourself? from the breakup process and from the healing process and coming out on the other side? Yes. Um, 
I care deeply for everybody I come in contact with. Um, but I was able to learn that, you know, once somebody leaves, there's, there's no coming back. I can't force, you know, relationships. I can only keep the relationships I have strong and mm -hmm. uh, speak my mind when I have to, you know, um, I'm trying to work with that, with, you know, with my mom, our communication is, is a little off, mm -hmm. but, you know, I love my mom deeply, but, you know, certain people have their past that they won't let go. And sometimes mm -hmm. you will not change that at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to that. And I guess, again, what Sophie has preached is how, again, we grow up and you see different relationships and things like that. And that's kind of either you can choose to bring that into your own relationships or not. And so with you kind of saying even communication with your mom is a little bit off. Do you feel like because of that relationship with your mother, your relationship with your wife, you've learned where it's like, no, I always want to make sure that I'm communicating to whatever woman's in my life better than um, the communication that you have with you and your mom. Yes, that. And um, I treat my children different. You know what I mean? I don't uh, like when we were kids, imagine you guys have kids, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine being a single mother raising five kids by yourself. Nope. <laughs> how stressful that is. So we had, you know, our mom pretty much raised us like uh, your typical black mom. It was like a boot camp almost, but she loved us. She loved us. There were days I have great memories, you know, from that, that era, you know, from my childhood. But I've got some terrible ones, too, because of right. where we grew up. And all of that has helped shape, you know, how I heal when people exit my life, things like that. If um, my wife now says, hey, you know, I'm I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. I'll be hurt. I will. But the thing I'm going to miss the most is her presence and then the children. I'll mm -hmm. miss them, you know, and then I'll be by, you know, I'll be by myself again. I have to deal with the silence of being by myself. And I actually, when I was single, I loved being, you know, I, I love being, you know, coming home and it's quiet. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I come in, the kids are happy to see me coming home, you know, and uh, things like that I would miss. But the healing process, I think everybody goes through that process of depression and anger. And then you don't understand what happened. And then you, it's all over again. That depression, mm -hmm. and that anger comes back. Um, but it gets easier as we get older because Sophie, you understand more. Sophie, from your perspective, what he's saying is how everybody, you know, you can go through depression and setbacks and things like that. So from a healing perspective, what would you either recommend or how do you get through that when it's like hard and it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Is it time? Is it, what is it? Well, yeah, time is, time is definitely needed, but the biggest thing is still two pieces and, and, you know, we've talked about it before because it is a consistent issue for everybody and it's acceptance. It's acceptance, but it's acceptance of so many factors. And so that's, it's going. So when you have multiple factors, it takes longer. So you have to first accept the situation for what it is. You have to accept that you're hurt. You have to, accept that you do feel depressed. You have to accept that your day-to-day -day life is going to change mm -hmm. again. 
it's not going to be the same. It goes back to everything that he was also talking about when it comes to if something were to happen, you know, the kids being there, her presence, all of that stuff, it changes. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through that process. It's not easy to go through that process. And, um, but the only way to heal is to do it. You can't brush it under the rug. You can't run from it. You can't ignore it because all that does is it bottles up mm -hmm. in your system and it's just going to sit there and eat at you wherever it decides to hone in on itself. And then yes, it can, it can come out in different ways when it comes to mental health, physical health, how it manifests is really difficult. So, mm -hmm. you know, doing like what he's talking about, where you have this balance of going through the healing process, giving yourself, you know, time to understand what happened and also keeping that good balance of going ahead and keeping yourself a bit busy. So that way your mind doesn't go wild or, mm -hmm. you know, minds can go wild. Our emotions can go wild because of it. Cause we can get lost in our heads. That is also another human trait, but you can't run from it. That right there. So then from a male perspective, well, why do you think sometimes it's harder for men to, like Sophie's saying, that acceptance or actually come out and tell your friends or your family, this situation made me depressed. I am not good. Why do men in general, as a generalization, hide their emotions and their feelings instead of just being real? Like, no, this person broke me. I'm not good. Why is that so hard to communicate and get out as a male? Well, because, you know, most, most all men, we we're supposed to be tough. You know, we're not supposed to have feelings, you know what I mean? Um, and then you, you worry about the stigma of what everybody else is going to say, what they're going to think about you, things like that. Um, me personally, everybody's going to be different, but mm -hmm. I had a rough upbringing. So, you know, losing a lot of loved ones, friends and family to violence and things like that growing up, it's just, I personally realized that people are going to leave my life. I mm -hmm. just, you know, had a friend of mine that I met years ago. Um, she passed away in her home and and it, I think it was something like a, a brain aneurysm. Oh, no. And it really, wow. It really, it hit me. And I was like, wow. You know, life is very short. And yeah. you never know what could happen. And I grew <laughs> up, you know, with situations like that constantly. Or, you know, just I had a friend when I was 15. My best friend, Mike, got murdered over his jacket and some shoes over something so simple. You know, and we were just kids. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, my situation will be a lot different from a lot of people. Um, I do think I I take breakups a little bit better because you have some guys that will go nuts if a, a woman breaks up with them. They mm -hmm. go crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it, it also has a, a good deal to do with confidence. Uh, Jamie, you knew me when I was single you know I me mean, now but i always whether i was dating them or not i always had beautiful women around me all the time yeah. all yep. the time and it had a large part to do with 
confidence and the way I was brought up. I feel like the people that you were surrounded by, definitely your confidence. And because at the end of the day, you're just a genuinely good guy, good human being. Mm -hmm. So I feel like some guys might take that. That's like, oh, I'm, I'm around all these girls and blah, 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 and take advantage of that. But your character has never been that. It's just people were attracted to you just for who you are and not for what can I get out of this person. So I think you've, either it's from your past experiences with family or things like that has built your confidence because clearly you've gone through a lot of tragic events and things like that where either you could have tanked all the way down or you can grow from that and move on and just say, I have to be this strong person in order to survive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I do think that, um, you know, I've talked to a few people about, you know, if I hadn't moved out of Ohio to Austin, Texas, hell, I'd be dead. I'd be dead or in prison, either one. You know what I mean? Because I was hanging around. I had some really good friends there, um, but I also had a lot of friends that were not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time. I grew up in Baltimore, and if I wouldn't have left that place, mm-hmm. I probably would have had 10 kids by now, maybe doing drugs, like just a completely different lifestyle from moving to another city and seeing that there are more things in this world for you to see and do besides the bad. And I kind of what you're saying about your friend that got murdered over shoes and clothes. That was the same thing in, in Maryland as well over starter yeah. jackets yeah. So, and shoes. So very unfortunate. <laughs> How did you deal with that level of heartbreak as a kid? Oh, I mean, that's kid? serious, Y'all, right? That's- let, let me tell you, um, I've always been adventurous. I, I kept to myself as a kid. I really did at a certain point. I just, you know, we lived our address. It was 1766 East 26th Avenue. Our elementary school was right behind our house. I could jump the fence and I was at school. (laughs) So I would go to that schoolyard even after school and I just play, you know, in the jungle gym, but I would be by myself. I was that weird kid that would You'd see me laying down in the grass, picking up bugs, you know, and grasshoppers and things like that. Mm. But, um, you know, at that young age, at, at 15, 14 or 15, I had gray hair. It was really stressful. Wow. Um, but to cope with everything, I pretty much stayed to myself. You know, I, I didn't have too many, too many friends, you know, as a kid after a while. I was just like, man, you know, they're they're all going to leave me anyway. So I just stuck to myself. You just said they're all going to leave me anyway. Yeah. So I assume that's been your mentality because of all the tragic events that you've experienced, that that was your mindset of, if I meet this person or this friend, they're all going to leave me anyway. So why should I either open up and get to know them if they're all going to be gone? Do you still carry that with you nowadays? I'll, I'll always, that's something that's, it's been ingrained at me in me Mm -hmm. that people are going to exit your life and there's really nothing you can do. And it it could have, you know, they could exit your life at any given moment. It's like they say, you know, uh, if 
God giveth, he can also take it. So mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do. And, and that's, you have a lot of people that it's just ingrained in us, you know, because of the way, the things we saw when we were younger, the people we lost, you know, when we were younger. Um, and the, you know, the nail in the coffin for me was, you know, losing my grandmother. That really, really was like, I, I just, you know, it's nothing I could do. You know, I felt so bad, you know, but I had to move forward. I had to wake up tomorrow and, and, and go to school or stay home or, you know, mm -hmm. do my chores around the house. You know, I still had to, to move on. Was so, your grandmother more like a mom to you? She would. So she was. But my mother, when my grandmother was alive, was really, you know, on top of things. She took care of us. Um, but my grandmother, you know, came in and stepped up when she wasn't there and took care of us also, you know, and then I want to say the last eight or nine months she was alive mm -hmm. and on hospice, she stayed with us, with my mother and I. And, um, you know, when she passed away, she was, she was actually in my old room in my bed, you know, Wow. Um, my mother she called me, I was in high school, I was a sophomore or a senior in high school. And she called me and said, Hey, Pee Wee, if you want to say, you know, a few last words to your grandmother, you might want to come home. And I sped home from school, I, I left. And you know, I, I told my grandmother, I love you. I'm gonna miss you. And my mother, she had already, you know, teared up. And we're sitting in her room just hugging each other, crying. And when we get up to go back in to see her last time, she was gone. She was gone. She had taken her last breath. And I just, it, it was shocking to me, you know, and it was really sad to see my mother's reaction mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like After I could help you loss, right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. After that loss, mm -hmm. the people you love deeply, one day they're going to leave your life. And there's nothing you can do. So, <sighs> well, moving forward, um, at a very young age, I realized that. So with my exes, when they left... It hurt, yeah. And the grieving process, you know, that process is over and over again. It lasted for two to three months, and I was back on track. I moved forward. Man. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like your life, unfortunately, it's just you've been molded to have lots of loss in your life. And so in your relationship now, what do you bring? Do you bring that strength into your relationship because you've had so much loss or just because again, you said that feeling of, well, everybody's going to be gone anyway. So kind of what's that vibe now when you guys have children together? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I love Kara with all my heart. I love her. Um, she does tell me though that hey you you need to be more romantic like you're not romantic enough you know and and i am guilty of that you know looking back on certain things 
um, I remember I bought her flowers for, I think it was for Valentine's Day or her birthday. Mm-hmm. And she told me, you know, I, I don't know why you bought me these. I don't like flowers. And I knew she didn't like flowers, but, you know, it was a gesture. But I never bought her flowers again. But um, she does tell me that, man, you, you're like mean. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, you know, this is how I am. And she accepts me that way. And, uh, you know, there's some things I need to work on, you know, definitely the romantic part and all that stuff. I I need to work on that. Do you think it's harder to work on it now that you guys have two kiddos versus if you guys had no kiddos and you're dating and it's like, okay, well, my person's telling me they need me to be more of this in order for there to, what's that word? It's that, that book of like five love languages. So it's like you need to meet her love language and she needs to meet your love language. And down the line, if those aren't getting met, things are going to trickle down to maybe resentment or something. So, Well, so the, the hard part with having two kids, with having kids in general, is just having that time to really spend time together, mm-hmm. just the two of us, you know. Um, we recently we went on a trip, like a weekend trip to San Antonio, and we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Went out to eat. We spent time together. We went to the spa and, and got a couple's, you know, massage. Great time. Mm-hmm. But at home, you know, we barely have time together. On my weekends, I'm cleaning house, doing laundry, mowing the lawn, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, and she's with the kids. And it's very, it's stressful for her. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand her point of view, you know, also. But as, like I say, you know, as you get older, um, with things like romance, if you have a certain way or if you haven't had romance in your life, it's hard to give romance. It's hard to express that. I get it. I have a question for you, actually. Um, so on your end of it, would there be any of it that stems from the fact that you have experienced all the loss that you have had and you don't even want to put the effort into it, even on like a subconscious level, because that person is going to end up leaving you anyway, whether it be by, you know, breakup, divorce or tragedy. That actually does um, a, a tiny part, a little part of it, yes. But um, growing up, you know, single mother, my mom, I didn't see any romance on her side at, at all. Mm-hmm. Romance was not in her life. If it was, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a great distrust in men because of what happened to her. So. Um, I could go, I could talk hours about, you know, that, but my mom's actually working on a book about her life that I'm trying to push her to finish, but yay, keep us posted on that. (laughs) There's there's a lot of, uh, tragic things that, that happened to her in her past that Mm -hmm. made her who she was. And she was, she was a solid mom, solid mom. She kept us safe Mm -hmm. and taught us, you know, right from wrong and what, what to do, what not to do. 
I'm sure she did her best as a single mom with, what did you say, four or five of you guys? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the romance factor. She probably craved that, but she's focused on um, kids or it's like a job. Like you're focused on your job and you have to make sure these little human beings are well taken care of while you're still trying to take care of yourself. So kind of what you're saying with how your wife wants more romance out of you. And then for her, when it's like the weekends and she's already busy during the week and now it's like, okay, the weekends here, kids have to be good. But my husband here, like I'm doing all this, but all I'm asking for is like this tiny piece of him that's needed. And so that's what she's asking for out of you, even though it's hard to give somehow you got to find that balance to give her what she needs. Cause I'm sure she's also given what you need, but you probably need something else as well, but she's asking for a little tiny piece of some will love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I kind of feel like, um, Oh, who is it? Harry Chapin who, who came out with the, the cats in the cradle song where, where the father's never there. He's always at work, but the son wants to play. My father was definitely not around, but now with, my job and my work, I'm barely here. I'm never Mm -hmm. here. And then, you know, before you know it, my son's going to be grown, you know, everybody's going to be grown up. And then when you have the time, they're going to be off doing something else. Yeah. And and it's the same. It's that song is like the story of my life, you know? Well, I think from your perspective and and a lot of guys out there, you're, taken on that role as a provider and I have to do this for my family. And so I'm going to keep busy because it's for my family, but your family's just like dad or husband. Like I just want like time. Yeah. And trying to find that balance as a provider is sometimes hard because it's, and then by the time you get home on the weekends, like you're probably burned out and tired. So trying to put an effort for romance is like, I'm just tired. I want to go to bed. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's how things have been. You know, when I get home, it's either my routine, honestly, when I get off of work, it's normally at seven or eight at night. Mm-hmm. I get home. If there's dirty dishes in the kitchen, I'll clean them and I'll take a shower and I'll go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, the family's already sleep half the time. So can you take out like, one day to obviously you'll still be tired, but when you get home, if you, even though your wife says, I don't like flowers, we say that to every guy, like we still like, we still appreciate it. But if there's just like some little, if it's her favorite like candy or something and maybe like put it under her pillow or something when she wakes up and, or a little no. So it's like, yeah. You know mm-hmm. that even though you're tired, you still put in that little effort to show her that you care. Yeah, I, I could do that. I could do that. That's Definitely. your homework. <laughs> yeah. right, <laughs> Here, you know what my my favorite is? So I do have uh, an office that I share with my husband, but sometimes he will write me just a quick little love note on a post-it and put it on my monitor. And that's what I wake up to. It's just cute. Just randomly. That's, that's it. That's and it's not like he's like a super romantic guy or anything like that. Cause he's, he's more like in your boat when it comes to upbringing and what he experienced and things like yeah. that, where it just, what it wasn't like that in the house because of different reasons. And, but he'll do those little, little things. And I'll tell you what, I keep those post-its 
I was just going to ask you that because I'll find them in my bag or I have years of post-its from my husband too. And it's just when you wake up and you see that you're like, he does care and we keep them because we cherish it. Yeah. And you know how long that took? Two seconds. Two seconds. So you have time. All right. I'll work on it. Definitely. Yes. Actions, Will actions. (laughs) So to wrap this up, guys, what would you say, Will, would be, what's your advice to men going through heartbreak and breakups or even loss? Like what is your, out of everything that you've experienced, everything that you've gone through, what's your words of wisdom? My advice would be, uh, you know, tomorrow's a new day. Um, If someone leaves your life, you love them, still love them that love may come back to you. And that person you have to understand may be going through something that you don't even know. Um, and communication is key. If, if someone leaves, don't be the, the one to constantly try and, and call them and keep in touch. Give them that space. Give them that space and see what happens. You know, Because something good may come out of that. Or you may have just dodged a bullet. You never know. I like it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, tell the good people, where can people find you? Is there anything you'd like to promote that you can share to our audience? Uh, me, I'm everywhere. I mean, <laughs> I, I work for UPS. I might deliver you a package someday. <laughs> like, I will. <laughs> but yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas. Um, uh, do look out for my sister, Jackie Vinson. She's amazing. Well, she, I loved it. I loved seeing her at the CMT Awards. It was amazing. It was amazing. She's, She's so really good. Up in music. Love so that. good. Yeah. And Will, as he's around Austin, you'll probably see him around town. He's always hungry. <laughs> and always. even he's randomly was in one of my buildings back in the day and stopped by to use my restroom. But he also <laughs> bought jewelry. So we're on good terms in that regard. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you sharing and taking time out of your day to share your heartfelt stories with us. And you have the best amazing day. And thank you for sharing your heartbreak to healing. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Sophie. It was good to meet you too. And yes, thank you for sharing. This was amazing. You make my heart, you make me